Welcome back to another episode of Press On. I'm your host, Pastor Aaron Rios. Thank you so much for taking the time to be with me and being a faithful partner with Press On. If you'd like to support this podcast, I'd invite you to visit my website, AaronRios.com. There you'll find the link where you can donate and support this ministry. In order to be thoroughly equipped with the tools and the weapons which God's word not only prescribes but equips one with, you first must be a candidate to receive correction. But you cannot truly receive the correction of God without first receiving the love of God. You see, the book of John, the first letter, is heavy on the love of God. But John quickly switches subjects and begins to correct the church, the body of Christ. And he begins to give them a stark warning that there is an operation of a spirit that is contrary to Jesus. The spirit is operating within the body. It is a spirit known as the Antichrist spirit. And while many believers are waiting on some uh, personified figure to rise up in the Middle East or Godzilla to rise up out of the sea, too many have fallen victim over the influence which is permeating throughout culture. You cannot stand against an opponent for which you are neither informed, equipped, or prepared for. But the word of God has come today to help you open your eyes and to equip you, to help you step out on this opponent. You've got to understand that the opponent is an influence that once to directly attack the anointing which God has put in your life. But when you know what God's word says and when your identity is rooted deeply in Christ, but watch this, when Christ is deeply rooted in you, meaning that you're hidden in Christ and only thing that people see is Christ Jesus, then you have the tools and the equipping that you need to step out on the deep and to wreak havoc on the enemy. And all of a sudden, it's not the wicked influence permeating over you, but it is the presence of the kingdom of God permeating everywhere you step your foot. Somebody say, Amen. Amen. Welcome to Press On with Aaron Rios, lead pastor of Garden City Church, located in Beverly, Massachusetts. We pray that you are enriched, challenged, and inspired to press on towards the cause of Christ. The title of today's podcast is Unmasking the Antichrist. There's been a lot of messages this year about the Antichrist. Uh, God put something on my heart that might sound a little different than many of the messages that you have heard. Uh, I've been cautious not to jump on a bandwagon of something that might be popular for the moment. Nonetheless, God really did put this on my heart. Uh, And I think God wants to help you recognize that there is a power and influence operating right now. And if you ask God to help you perceive it, you'll recognize it. Listen, let me read out of 1 John 2, 18 through 24, and then we're going to open with a quick word of prayer. 1 John 2, 18 through 24 says, children, It is the last hour, and just as you heard that Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have appeared. From this we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not really of us. For if they had been of us, they would have remained with us. But they went out so that it would be evident that they are all not of us. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know. I have not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it, and because no lie is of truth. Who is the liar except the one who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist, the one who denies the Father and the Son. Whoever denies the Son 
does not have the Father, and the one who confesses the Son has the Father also. As for you, see that what you heard from the beginning remains in you. If what you heard from the beginning remains in you, you also will remain in the Son. I believe God's going to rock you today. In fact, let's open up with a word of prayer and ask him to do just that. Father, in the name of your son, Jesus, open up my eyes, open up my ears to hear the voice of your spirit speak. Rock me today in Jesus' name. Amen. Today, I want to unmask the Antichrist. There are a lot of people that are waiting on this personified entity to rise up out of the Middle East or rise up out of the ocean. And all the while, they're being misled by a spirit or an influence that permeates throughout culture also called the Antichrist. Now listen, when I talk about spirit, uh, I don't want you to imagine a, a ghost in sheets. You know, the Bible tells us that God is a spirit and that angels, are they not ministering spirits? So there are personified entities that exist in the spiritual realm. And, and to the contrast of that, there's demonic spirits and demonic entities. So there's these personified entities known as spirits, but there's also another word uh, that's a little blurry in, in, in language and in scripture. The word spirit, pneuma, uh, can reference a breath, a wind, or an influence. Have you ever had anybody walk in a room and they had a bad attitude and somebody might say, that person is in bad, what's the word? Spirits, right? Bad influence. I can just feel uh, just ugh on them. It, it may not mean that they have a demon. Uh, it just might mean they just might have a negative influence in the moment. Likewise, we know that alcohol is also referred to as spirits because of its ability to influence. And it's with that same imagery that I want to tell you today that there is also a influence that is permeating and breathing and operating over culture right now. Never before has it been more prevalent. And I really want you to try to tune into this because this is what the enemy tries to hide. He tries to, to blind people from being able to see the truth. But God wants your eyes to be open so that you can recognize that the enemy is operating. You know, somebody showed me a cartoon from many years ago, and the cartoon seemed to have some very negative, almost demonic or satanic imagery that in the moment, many people wouldn't have realized, but it seemed to foretell things that have happened in the last decade. And people often say, how did that happen? How could somebody 80 years ago make a cartoon uh, and, and introduce imagery and then 80 years later, it seems to almost prophesy to what's happening now. Surely that must have been conspired. It must be some conspiracy. There must be um, people working behind the scenes to bring these things about. Certainly there's been a lot of that talk throughout 2020. If you spend just a few minutes on Facebook, you'll see all sorts of conspiracy talk and all sorts of things happening. Some of it true, some of it not. I'm not here to judge that. But what I am here to make you aware of is the Bible says is there is a broad road that leads to destruction. And when you're not following Jesus, when you're not a believer who's rooted and grounded, you will naturally go the current of culture, naturally go with the current of the Antichrist. And so you don't have to be conspiring. All you have to do is follow your own passions, follow your own heart, follow everything and anything but the commands of God, and you will find yourself in sync with things that are already happening in culture. It's not evidence of a conspiracy. It is the evidence that there is a current that people are on, and it all leads to the same place, destruction. 
It's like the person that had a boyfriend or a girlfriend in Florida and they seem to attract negative relationships. So they pick up and they move. And while they've moved location, they haven't moved heart condition. And so they end up in California and six months later, they find themselves in the same situation, in the same kind of a relationship with the same kind of influences, doing the same things, the same habits. How is it that you cannot outrun yourself? Because you're not trying to outrun yourself. You're not in a race with yourself. You are in a race, in a, in a competition, and you find yourself battling and wrestling against powers and principalities in high places. You see, there is a spirit that is operating, permeating, breathing over culture. That is the spirit of the Antichrist. You cannot stand against an opponent for which you are neither informed of, equipped, or prepared to handle. We're going to unmask the Antichrist today. What is an Antichrist? Well, it comes from the Greek word Antichristo. Uh, simply stated, it's somebody who places themselves in the place or the position of Christ or stands as an enemy or an opponent of the Messiah. I have to then ask, who is the Messiah? What is what is Messiah or Christ? What does that mean? Well, that comes from the word Christo. It means anointed one. Jesus uh, Christ would be better communicated as Jesus the Christ. Christ wasn't his last name. I then have to ask, what does anointing mean? Let's break this down. Well, anointing comes from the Greek word charisma. That's where you get the word charisma. Uh, it can mean several different things, but among those meanings, it can mean an unction, consecration, leading. Uh, it means that somebody is set aside. So when you put these words together and you just look at it, it becomes clear that the working of the Antichrist is the working of anti-anointing, anti-consecration, anti unction or that inward leaning to follow uh, after the things of God, anti-power, anti-presence. Listen, by the end of this message, I want to engage you in a time of not simply seeking anointing, but seeking the anointed one. That is Jesus, the one alone who gives us the victory to stand. I had a pastor who used to tell me this, and I want to tell you today, do not compromise the anointing. The anointing can only be sustained by remaining in the anointed one. So let's go a little bit deeper. What does anointing mean? Well, in practical terms, okay, let's just go practical. Let's look at what God's word says. I'm going to reference Exodus 30, 30. I'm not going to read it, but I'm going to tell you what happens there. In Exodus 30, 30, God calls Aaron and commands him to anoint his children as priests. God says they are priests. They don't need any other confirmation or qualification. In that moment that God declares it, it is so. But God then gives Aaron a command and says, go and anoint them. Why? Well, first of all, recognize that anointing in ancient Israel was reserved for the prophet, the priest, and the king. It, it was a symbol. It was an outward expression of obedience and symbolized consecration. And it symbolized that somebody went through something in order to obtain something, something official. In those days, when they anointed somebody, they would pour flasks of oil and it would saturate the entirety of who they are. You see another symbol like this in the symbol of baptism. In, in the ordinance of baptism, you find that somebody is dunked, saturated in something, 
primarily water. And then when they rise up, they are wet. They're going to be saturated with something. So people look and see and they can recognize there is a substance on you. There is an oil on you. I can see it. I can smell it. It's all over you. What has happened? Have you been consecrated to be a prophet or a priest or a king? There is an outward expression of something that God has declared inwardly. The anointing oil or the substance that is dabbed or used on an individual, it's symbolic, but it's also evident. Now that's very, very important as we continue to dig into this anointing. Because then the next question is, how do you and I get anointed? How are we called to anointing? How does this transpire in our life? I'm so glad we asked that question. Acts 5.32, and it says, And we are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey. So as we want to inch towards obtaining the anointing, I want you to understand that you have access to the Holy Spirit if you allow the Holy Spirit access to your life. Here's what 1 Peter 2.9 says. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Look, plainly stated, you receive the anointing when you receive the anointed one. Uh, that's Christ. So we can see, according to the New Testament and the New Covenant, that in Christ, you're chosen, you're a priest, you're a holy nation. You are a person who is called, anointed, appointed by God. So what does anointing do? Isaiah 10:27 says, And it shall come to pass that in that day that his burden shall be taken away from off thy shoulder and his yoke from off thy neck, and the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. Mark 16, 17 says, these signs will accompany those who have believed in my name. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. Listen, the anointing operates to validate all that Christ has promised to do in you and through you. Now, here's what I want to encourage you. People long for anointing, right? People sing songs about sweet anointing. I've joked about somebody who went to see a, 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 a particular musician who sang and that person said, oh, that person was so anointing. And I'm like, that person's not anointed. No, that person had an ability to maybe tickle your soul and give you some goosebumps. But the true anointing comes from the anointed one. When you spend time with Jesus, when you spend time in your prayer closet, when you spend time praying in the the Holy Spirit and you're stirring up that passion that is within you. Oh, don't you know that Jesus will come and visit with you? And when you step out of your prayer closet, people are going to look and they're going to see something on you. All of a sudden, there's the residue that's making you shine. There is a substance upon you that is evident of the presence of Christ Jesus. For us, the anointing is the evidence of Christ in us. Therefore, the Antichrist is an enemy working to rob you of Christ's presence in your life. What's the evidence of Christ's presence in your life? Follow me here. The evidence of Christ is hope, peace, joy, power. The enemy wants to rob you of the potency, the power, and the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life. You need the anointing. If you want to walk in the anointing, then you're going to have to strive to live a holy, sanctified life putting sin behind you, putting your flesh on the cross, putting your deeds of the flesh to death. 
You want to be a man or woman of God? You want to walk in the potency and the power and the presence? Then you need to lock yourself away with Jesus for a little bit. You need to start making it a habit to get up and pray and be in his presence and then step out and face the world. When you would face the world with the anointing, with the presence of the Lord in your life, you can guarantee that you're going to walk in victory. So let's dig into this message for the next few minutes as we talk about unmasking the work of the Antichrist. Here's three evidences that we see based on this passage. Number one, the Antichrist works to lead people away, or as John puts it uh, in verse 19, departing from the faith, causing division among believers. There's people right now vacating the faith. There's apostasy. But listen, it's not just people who were unhappy with the church and go and find a different church. These are people who pack their bags and when they leave, they roll a grenade in the room and they become opponents of the faith. Have you ever known anybody that was once a strong believer and now they're a strong opponent? This is the influence of the anti-anointing. 1 Timothy 4.2 says this, Now the Spirit expressly states that in the latter times some will abandon the faith to follow deceitful spirits and the teaching of demons. The gospel comes along and confronts, but not everybody receives. So the question is, why do they depart? Why do people depart from the faith? How does that Antichrist influence get in there and lead people astray? Well, I think there's a couple of categories that, that cause this. A, undealt with sin. James 4.1 says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from desires that battle within you? There's sin battling within you. Sin has to be dealt with. There's too many people I've gotten comfortable in church and nobody's talking about sin. It's the disease. It's the whole reason why Jesus came and died. If there is sin operating in your life, you need to bring it to the foot of the cross. But it's not just talking about sin. It's not just talking about people, oh, we're broken people and that's okay. But sin has to be repented of. So that's B. We've got to repent of sin. Titus 3.10 says, if people are causing divisions among you, give a first and second warning. After that, have nothing to do with them. Aren't you glad Titus isn't your pastor? Aren't you glad that there, maybe we ought to be more like Titus if this is the command we're being given. There are those that are living in unrepentant sin. And they want to inject themselves into community and they're not going to be happy unless they disrupt and destroy community and cause an attrition of the faith, cause people to depart from the faith. Maybe we ought to be a little bit more protective of our spiritual brothers and sisters. And when the word of God is delivered in authority and power, if people choose to remain unresponsive to the pull and the lull of the Holy Spirit, then there becomes a danger that there could be gangrene in the body and it's either going to spread or it must be cut off. I know those are difficult words, but we're living in treacherous times. It doesn't mean we hate people. It doesn't mean we cut them off and we don't bring them into church. But what it means is we must distance ourselves. I always tell my children, either you're doing the influencing or somebody's doing the influencing. And if you're surrounding yourselves with unbelievers, then you better be the one who is doing the influencing. C, we're told that there is a lack of perseverance. Matthew 24, 12 through 13 says, because of the multiplication of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold, but the one who perseveres to the end will be saved. Listen, people who depart from the faith, who stop believing are people who are not persevering. I know that sounds like a strong word. It's not a criticism. It's not an attack. It's not me pointing the finger or being judgmental. 
It's me stating what God's word teaches us. Because times of weakened faith and disbelief will come from time to time. But when you face those obstacles in your life, God is calling you to persevere. Are you persevering today? Here's the second thing that we recognize from this passage is that there comes about a time when people begin to embrace the lies or begin to live in falsehood. Verse 21 says, I have not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it and because there is no lie in the truth. So in order to embrace the lies in culture, I actually have to let go of the truth. Have you seen that? Have you noticed that people have actually seemed uh, like they are blatantly living with lies right now? John wrote this letter to combat Gnosticism. Gnosticism, it comes from the word gnosis. It means to know, uh, secret knowledge or secret wisdom. Uh, the Gnostics believed in many things, primarily that we're spirits trapped in a body. Uh, they believe things like all matter is evil, so do whatever you want with your body. And they actually believe that Jesus was an apparition, didn't actually die on the cross, but he appeared to die, that he wasn't divine, and that the God of the Old Testament was evil. That was ancient Gnosticism, and people were departing from the faith and chasing after that. That's one of the reasons why John wrote this letter. Paul wrote letters to combat Gnosticism as well. But there's a modern Gnosticism that's running rampant in the church and in culture. I say in the church because John wrote this letter to the church. It was a, it was a circular letter. It was intended to be distributed among believers to encourage and strengthen them. The church still needs to be encouraged and strengthened and recognize that there is false beliefs and false faiths and idolatry trying to infiltrate the church. There is a modern Gnosticism looking to infiltrate the church. And I believe the influence of culture admonishes spirituality that is impersonal. And what I mean is that it's okay to be spiritual, just don't speak the name of Jesus. That's the lie that has entered the church. Lies like truth is relative that there's other ways to heaven, that Christianity ought to be confined. Hello, you got that other side of it. Okay, believe what you want, but just do it over there in that corner when the whole purpose of the body of Christ, the church, the bride, the commission is to be an active witness engaging in culture. Some people are just satisfied to be hidden up in a Starbucks, sipping coffee, having their Bible studies, but they're not being, bringing real world impact. Somebody say amen or oh me, help me God. Don't believe the lie. Don't believe in an impersonal energy. Don't believe in just give me some positive vibes. Don't believe I'm meditating your pain away. Jesus is the answer. He is the way, the truth, and the life. We can't let go of that very simple Sunday school message. Simplicity of the gospel. Romans 1, 24 through 25 says, Therefore God gave them over in the desires of their hearts to impurity for the dishonoring of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is forever worthy of praise. Well, I've heard this passage used to speak regard in regards to homosexuality and, and other uh, sexual behaviors and things of that nature. One day I was praying about a, a homosexual a group that I was uh, interacting with and uh, they knew I was a pastor and, and I was just feeling really heavy for them. I was like, Lord, how do I reach them? Because it seems like we've got this big obstacle. How am I to communicate to them? And the Lord brought this passage up, but highlighted something very particular. 
if you, I want to go back over verse 25. It says they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator. See, the exchange was worship. The remedy of the lie. The remedy. The remedy. I want to tell you what the remedy is today. The remedy is worship. The remedy is putting God above it all. The, word, the remedy is putting God above my bitterness, putting God above my, my proclivity, my addiction, my passion, my sexual orientation, my, my, my state of mind. I raise you up above all these things, oh God, and I worship you and you alone. And I can tell you that when you begin to worship God, you're going to begin to see mountains move. You're going to begin to see bondages break. You're going to begin to see the minds that are consumed with anxiety and fear begin to calm. Jesus said, peace, be still. When look, here's the last working of the Antichrist spirit, the goal of robbing you of the anointing, the presence, the potency, and power of Christ in your life is to bring you to a point of denial. 1 John 4, 3 says, in every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and now is already in the world. 1 Thessalonians 2, 3, no one is to deceive you in any way, for it will not come unless the apostasy comes first and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction. Listen, we deny Jesus not through profession alone, but we deny him in action. We can bypass all of that and we can move to a place of denial when we simply deny Jesus when he calls us to go and pray, when he calls us to fast, when he calls us to serve, when he calls us to worship, when he calls us to give. I want to ask you as I'm closing right now, I want to ask God to anoint me so that I can be strong and courageous. But I want to repent first of denying Jesus. There's so many areas in our life where I've given in to the, the minor influence of the spirit of the age. Remember, the goal of the spirit is to push you towards denying the power, the presence, and potency of Christ. Where's the enemy pushed you today? Where have you denied Christ? We can make this right. It's not catching God by surprise. He's calling you home. He's calling you back. He's calling you to a place of greater surrender. He's calling you to a place where you will not deny the fullness of who he is and what he wants to be and do in your life. Will you pray with me right now? Father, I'm struck to the core this morning at the thought that I could align myself with the spirit of this age through simple denial, through simple delay, by simply putting you off and saying, not right now. I'm busy playing a video game or watching a movie. I'm busy. I'm too tired. God, I'm asking you to do in me what I cannot do for myself. Father, I need your discipline. Father, I need your courage. I need your strength. Father, so that I would walk in obedience and humble submission. Father, if we're ever going to have an advantage and gain strength and walk and be those things which you've called us to be, then I must live a life that is holy, set apart, committed, fully committed to you. And Father, I ask for your forgiveness today. Forgive me for denying your presence. Forgive me for denying your power. Forgive me for denying the call, the call to come to you, the call to rest in your arms. Father, we pray that you would move now, bring restoration, bring healing, bring hope into our lives. In the mighty name of Christ Jesus, we ask these things. Amen and amen. Thank you for spending some time with me.
Thank you for joining us. If today's message encouraged you to keep running the race, we invite you to share this message with others. You can join Pastor Aaron weekly at Garden City Church in person or online. Till next time, keep pressing on.